Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Well... The Lakers answered the bell in game two. The uh, same could not be said of the Portland Trailblazers. This is a beatdown of epic proportions. It was not remotely close. And I think leaving this game, the question you have to ask yourself is, what did we actually learn in the first two games in this series? Now, I know that ultimately the score doesn't look atrocious, even though it was a 23-point loss. This game was not even as close as the 23-point loss would suggest because this was a pretty substantial royal beatdown by the Lakers. And they were able to rest a lot of their guys. If you just looked at the stats, if I had told you coming into this game, I said, hey, LeBron James is going to go for 10 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds in this game you would have been like, if you're a Laker fan, uh-oh. Like, if I could have looked into the future and I could have told you exactly how LeBron was going to perform, and those were the stats. He's going to play only 27 minutes. He's going to go 4 for 11 from the field. He's going to shoot uh, 0 for 3 from 3, 10 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. You'd have been like, we're going to be down 0-2. Every single Laker fan on the planet If I had told you those details, you would have believed that your team was going to be in really, really rough shape. But Anthony Davis came out, set the tone, played pretty well. But I think overall, this was as much about the Trailblazers being bad as it was the Lakers being good. Finally, Damian Lillard looked human. 
only scored 18 points, one of seven from outside. The uh, the the shooting in general from C.J. McCollum wasn't good. Nurkic was very average at best. This Blazers team just didn't answer the bell and frankly looked like they were an inferior caliber opponent for the Lakers. Now, we'll see whether or not this is an aberration. It's hard to really forecast anything when every game is inside the bubble. I talked about this in hour one where it felt to me like the Blazers were playing as if they already had house money where you know you hope to steal one game from the opponent on their home court and if you can do that and you could flip the home court and you go back to Portland tied up 1-1 you'd be really excited except they're not going anywhere they're staying in Orlando and this felt like a old school NBA game when the home team can't afford to go down 0-2 and when Uh, The visiting team is already happy about having gotten a win. And so they're like, screw it. We're going to end up with a split. We'll see you in the the next city. And the same thing, by the way, could have happened with the Milwaukee Bucks, who came out and dominated against the Orlando Magic as well. So the end result here, to me, is even though the Clippers won game one, I think the Clippers may be under more danger from the Mavs based on how I've seen the Mavs play the first two games than I think the Lakers might be from the Trailblazers. I I think it's hard-pressed after watching this for very many people out there to feel like the Blazers are still going to win this series. means Adam Silver can go to bed and sleep a little bit better than he otherwise might have uh, when he was super nervous, I think it's fair to say, about how everything is shaking out there. So, That's the big takeaway, uh, I would say, for all the Houston Rocket fans out there. This has been a bit of a surprise that the Rockets, even without Russell Westbrook, are now up 2-0 and that they were in pretty strong control throughout this game as well and that James Harden didn't have to play out of his mind in order for that win to happen. And uh, the Heat are up 2-0 on the Pacers. Uh, Again, no big shift likely to happen in the series. And I was talking with Cousin Sal and Todd Furman, uh, both of whom are on the uh, Fox Bet Live, used to be locked in with me daily. Hope you guys are enjoying some of our gambling talk. And what we were discussing is, I think, a big question. Will teams that are playing in the bubble be eager once they get down like 2-0 or 3-0 if they feel like they don't have a real chance to win a title? Will they just be like, okay, I'm ready to get out of this bubble? Like, how are the Pacers going to play going forward now that they're down 0-2? How about the Raptors, for instance, being up 2-0 on, uh, on, in, in their series? Like, how confident are you about any of the teams that are down 0-2 and how they're likely to play going forward? We'll see what the Pacers do. We'll see what the Thunder do. Uh, you know, when you have a split series, there's still a lot of uncertainty about what might happen. But the Nets are down 0-2, right? The Raptors have been fairly dominant in the bubble. If they win today in an early tip game and they're up 3-0, the Nets are already going to be packed. They're ready to get out of the bubble. And the same thing could be true of the 76ers. You could have two series that are pretty close to being over uh, before we're even hardly started in the NBA playoffs. By the time we come back on Monday, you could have a couple of different teams already eliminated 
getting ready uh, for the second round of the NBA playoffs. So I think that's a story that's worth paying attention to. The other story that I would say is worth paying attention to, and I appreciate you guys hanging out with us, is uh, I continue to be fascinated by the lies that are coming out of the Big Ten Conference. And in particular, when I talk about the lies that are coming out of the Big Ten Conference, I mean Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren claiming either that there was or wasn't a vote, uh, claiming that it's not safe for players to play, even though his own son is playing in the SEC this year, and the fact that there is no responsibility, despite the fact that 13 of the 14 Big Ten university presidents or chancellors are at public state institutions, meaning taxpayers all over the Big Ten states are paying for them. This is pretty wild to me, the way this is set up in general. And I want to give credit, and we talked about this a lot in the first hour of the program, and you certainly just heard us talking about it uh, with Jeff Snook in the second hour of the program. And if you're just waking up, I'd encourage you to go download the podcast because you're not going to want to miss any of this because I think this is the smartest, most interesting discussion surrounding the Big Ten's decision to cancel college football anywhere in the country. But the players and their parents are becoming major advocates for their right to play college football this year. And in particular, there is an expectation, a planned protest anyway, and we're covering it at OutKick, of the Big Ten offices by the parents of the Big Ten football players. Now, what's interesting is Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, doesn't appear to be in Chicago at all. In fact, he appears to be in Minnesota. So I'm not sure who is at the league offices right now, but I am pretty confident that the lawsuit that has been threatened by the Nebraska parents has shaken the Big Ten to its core because they made a lot of demands in this letter that went public on Thursday night. And they are demanding a lot of documents be turned over to them by noon central on Monday or they're going to file a lawsuit. And I'm here to tell you I would be very, very surprised if the Big Ten is providing any of these documents. I think these Nebraska parents are going to be filing a lawsuit on Monday in federal district court in Nebraska. And I think, and this is going to surprise a lot of people, but I think one of the things they are going to request in that lawsuit is for the cancellation of the Big Ten season to be put on hold. And I think they're going to ask the judge to issue a temporary restraining order against the Big Ten's ability to cancel the fall football season. And I think they're going to seek an injunction that would allow the Big Ten players to actually play the fall football season. Now, it's a massive legal battle and who the judge is and what the judge's reaction is and how quickly the judge could issue a ruling on a request. And I'm not 100% sure because I haven't seen their lawsuit, but I think that's going to be one of the things that they're going to request. And when the Nebraska parents file a lawsuit, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the other parents in some of these other states decide to do the same thing. Iowa parents, Ohio State parents, Penn State parents, maybe some Michigan parents. We're talking about hundreds of parents that disagree with Kevin Warren's decision. And those parents of Big Ten players 
are not asking for irrational, crazy requests. They're essentially just demanding that their sons have the same right that Kevin Warren's son has because Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, his son is playing in the SEC this fall. And so all the Big Ten parents are asking for is for their kids to have the same right to make a decision about whether to play or not that Kevin Warren's own son has as a result of playing in the SEC. And I keep thinking to myself, can you imagine the optics on Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, traveling down to the South to watch his son play college football this year after he's keeping all the other players in college football from playing. This is an unmitigated disaster for the Big Ten. And I think this is blown up in their face in a way they never anticipated and that it's likely to continue and get worse come Monday because I think the Nebraska parents are going to file that lawsuit on Monday. In the meantime, everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds and you already know Raycon earbuds started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know as well. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, best ones yet, six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds, so comfortable, in fact, they're perfect for conference calls, video chats, or binging podcasts. Plus, unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds, stylish and discreet, no dangling wires or stems. My wife has got these in her ears right now. She's on her Peloton. She loves them. You will love them as well. We got them for the kids also so that they can be riding in the car, watching their iPad, listening to their music instead of what mom or dad are listening to. I know a lot of you do the same thing with your own kids. And right now, you can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash outkick. That's buyraycon.com slash outkick for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash outkick when we come back got an interesting guest for you donald trump jr the president's son what's it like to be the president's son and is he as much in favor of sports being back as i am and many of you are we will discuss this is outkick the coverage with clay travis hey it's jonas knox and you know o'reilly auto parts you know o o o o'reilly who are in the business of keeping your car on the road o'reilly auto parts offer friendly helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs they've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online so you never have to worry if you're in a jam the team at o'reilly auto parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car if it needs to be replaced they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts 
people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestine tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their redestein test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be going to bring in now Jeff Snook, who has done a fantastic job covering this mess surrounding the Big Ten. You just heard me talking about Nebraska's parents potentially filing a lawsuit to try and allow the Big Ten football season to happen. We're going to get into a bunch of the other details now, and I'm excited to welcome him in. And uh, Jeff, as a background, I believe you have written 14 different books. You are uh, a long time plugged in with Ohio State. For people who may not be familiar with you, kind of give them your background and uh, you can plug some of the books and everything else to give them an idea of, uh, of what you've accomplished in uh, your career so far. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Clay. Uh, yes, I'm not on Twitter. I'm somewhat old school and uh, I just never joined it. Probably never will. I'm not real fond of the 140 characters. Now I believe it's 280, isn't it? So That's right. Uh, to me, to me, I'm more, uh, you know, the old school journalist that believed in great depth of a story as opposed to the USA Today approach. But anyway, uh, 
Yeah, I you know I, I want to clear something up. I I am not an Ohio State beat writer. I don't cover the program on a daily basis or the Big Ten on a daily basis. I went to school there back in the late seventies and early eighties. And then I went to Florida and worked in the newspaper business for a long time as a beat writer for college football. So I have experience as a college football beat writer. I basically left the newspaper business years ago and have been writing books full time. And I live in Florida full time. So that's, you know, I'm not a beat writer up here in Ohio. I have a summer home up here that I'm at now that I come to three or four months a year just to get out of the heat and right now get out of the COVID because I live in Palm Beach County and it's, a, it's a, you know, they've had a lot of positive tests there and uh, I've I've had asthma for years, so I you know I didn't I want to get out of there and not get it and be up here during the good weather. So I just want to clear that up. But I'm not a beat writer like other guys that work this beat full time. Uh, but yeah, I have written uh, I think 14 books. I just finished my first non-sports book, which comes out next month, and I'm beginning another non-sports book uh, on my dad's World War II experiences in the in the Pacific that I was supposed to travel through the South Pacific here in the next two months, but it looks like that's going to be canceled. Uh, so anyway, but I do have experience with the Big Ten going back to the 70s. I know how they operate. They've always operated the same way in total darkness, no transparency. It hasn't gotten any better. But, uh, you know, I refer back to the, you know, the biggest decision they've made in their 125-year history prior to this was sending Ohio State to, to the Rose Bowl over Michigan in 1973. If you're familiar with that, it's very controversial. They never, ever revealed a, a vote. To this day, people don't know what that vote was. And Bo Schembechler went to his grave some 33 years later, still bitter as ever over that decision. And until the past two weeks, that's about the worst thing I've ever seen the Big Ten do. But, boy, how they've handled this. I mean, it is just one large mess, and it doesn't appear to be getting any better uh, by the day. So Yeah, so I am fired up about this, and some people are like, oh my God, I never would have believed that Clay Travis would end up the biggest advocate for Big Ten football anywhere on the planet. But for Big Ten fans, for players, for the parents of players, for coaches, I just feel like they have been fundamentally led astray, and frankly, I feel like they've been lied to. Uh, to a certain extent. So I want to unpack some of this with you. Um, and uh, and let's start here. They keep releasing new statements about whether there was a vote, what exactly went on with the presidents and the chancellors. I'm fired up about this to start with because 13 of the 14 Big Ten schools are state institutions. The idea, exactly. The idea that there shouldn't have to be a public accounting for each president and chancellor, where whether you agree with them or not, you know, like, I want to know how Purdue voted. I want to know how Ohio State voted. I want to know how Michigan voted. And I want all of those state institution, taxpayer-funded universities to actually have to have their presidents and chancellors stand up and allow themselves to be accounted for. You, I think, are probably fired up about this, too. Why is there no public recitation of what the votes were? Or if well, there even how, was a vote. This is how they've always operated, and it's not any different now. They got a commissioner on the job from the Minnesota Vikings that has no background in the Big Ten. To my knowledge, he's not in Chicago yet. He's still working out of Minneapolis. So these parents that are going to Chicago uh, today on to, Friday to protest. Uh, to protest, I don't think they have anybody to meet with. So whether they're going to stand in front of the offices and, and, and you know, attract some media or not, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't even know if they know that he's not in Chicago, unless he's flying in just for uh, PR purposes to be seen there. Uh, but, no, this is just how they've conducted business over the years. 
And, you know, you're exactly right. 13 out of the 14, with the exception of Northwestern or public schools, receive public money. And But first of all, let me start with this premise. Do you believe actually there was a vote? I don't know what to believe at this point because there have – no, I don't. I, let me say that. I don't well, believe there was I, a vote because the University of Minnesota president, I think, came out and said yes. they never officially voted. And unless that person is lying, I, I don't think there was a vote. I 100% believe they did not vote. People have told me they did not vote. Sandy Barber referred to it. The president of Minnesota referred to it. Last night, I see the chancellor of Nebraska tweeted they did vote. But there was no official vote. Well, I think what they did is they he led the discussion, first of all. Kevin Warren guided this discussion among Big Ten presidents. And you got to realize, going into that meeting, you got four or five presidents on one side that wanted to play. you got four or five presidents on the other side that did not want to play, definitely. you got a lot of presidents in the middle that were on the fence. They were they were busy this summer tending the university business, not really gauging athletic programs related to the COVID. They didn't have time for it. They were relying on their athletic directors to report to them on a daily basis about the COVID numbers and what was happening in their uh, football facilities and their bubble there. And all those reports have come back very, very positive, and I mean positive in a negative test way. And, uh, you know, they continue to tell you, coaches and athletic directors, how those players are safer there than they are released to the general public or to the campuses. So what they're doing directly conflicts anything they claim in the name of player safety. So, you know, that being said, sure, if, if there was a vote, the vote should be revealed. It should be revealed the number, which presidents voted on one side, which presidents voted on the other. But the reason it won't be revealed is because it didn't happen. He guided this discussion, a general discussion. It was a back and forth, I was told. A lot of presidents asked questions, uh, deep questions. A lot. Some presidents pushed to push this back, the schedule back to September 26th and kick it off then or the latest October 3rd, that Saturday. He resisted and guided the whole conversation toward beginning in the spring, which brings up a whole other set of problems, total hypocrisy, how we're going to be safer in the in, in the spring, foot, and not even the subject of playing two seasons in a 10- or 11-month uh, stretch. I mean, this, this you can't make this up. It's just disgraceful how it's been handled. And he released a letter yesterday that, didn't make sense at all. I don't know if you read it or not. Yeah, it's nonsensical. I mean, this guy, I, I think they realize, Clay, they've made a bad hire, and they don't know what to do with it because it's so soon. This is the first decision. You know, that when he came in, the first thing he did was initiate uh, a voter registration drive for his 10,000 student-athletes, and some of those courses he uh, they, he wanted in there and has instituted were things such as uh, voter suppression and so forth. And, and, you know, I always question, is that the role of a conference commissioner, a conference athletic commissioner to do that? But he's just botched this completely, and he's operating in total darkness. If you, if you watched his interview with the Big Ten Network on the day – that they uh, announced the uh, postpone. I call it a cancellation. They call it a postponement. But how do you postpone fall sports through the spring of 2021 and call it a postponement? It's it's a cancellation. And uh, if you watch that press conference, I mean, it was laughable how he avoided questions. And I don't even know what he said. I mean, nothing was specific. But it's it's like they don't care about this public, this alumni, the fans of the Big Ten that have built this in a billion dollar industry through their ticket, uh, you know, gate receipts, donations, the TV ratings. I mean, TV is TV ratings and contracts have they've made these people rich. 
and they all have seven-figure salaries, and yet they act like they don't owe the public any explanation on the decisions they make, including the biggest decision they've ever made. There's so many ramifications to this and long-term effects of this. You're going to see non-revenue sports cut across the board. Uh, it just you, you could go on and on, student-athletes without a game to play after preparing for it. And I'm not just talking about football. Uh, men's and women's non non revenue sports the 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 trickle down effect of this will be huge. So uh, you know, unlike most people up here in Ohio right now, I'm sitting here rooting for the ACC, Big Twelve, and SEC to follow through and make this work because that'll further illustrate just what a dumb dumb decision this was. And you know, even if it turns out to be the correct one in the lo- in the long run, if these other conferences have to shut it down, it was way too premature. And 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 the way they've handled it, they couldn't have handled it any worse. We're talking to Jeff Snook, uh, and and you said so much that I agree with, and I want to unpack a little bit more. But I want to start with what you said about Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, potentially being over his head. And you said something I think that's really interesting, which is four or five schools want to play, four or five don't, and then there's you know four or five, three or four, whatever it is right there in the middle that are waiting to make determinations about what to do. Which schools do you think wanted to play based on the people that you have talked with? I definitely believe Ohio State at the top, Iowa, Nebraska, and Penn State wanted to play. Uh, and then the other schools, you have different factions that wanted to play and didn't. So you definitely got Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel, the athletic director of Michigan, wanted to play. However, their president is, a, you may know, a medical doctor and a scientist. Yes. And he's aligned with that uh, governor up there by the name of Gretchen Whitmer, who doesn't want any high school or college football played in her state. So he voted. He would. And I, I I remiss. There was no vote. He did not want to. He did not want to play. Yeah. Uh, and then you get, you got Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez, the longtime athletic director, he coached that program for 25 years. He definitely wanted to play, and he, I don't think he could convince his president to go along with that. Uh, so right there is six that you know you have different factions. Rutgers and Maryland were a definite no, uh, which brings up a whole other you know, issue of them ever being invited to this conference. Jim Delaney's biggest mistake, in my opinion, was reaching out and putting them in this conference only to extend his Big Ten network uh, reach to the East Coast, and, and it was a dollar grab, but they don't fit in this conference at all. I mean, they don't make a commitment to uh, improving their athletics like they should, and it's just they stick out like a sore thumb. But anyway, they, you know, and, and all I need to point to is the Rutgers players going to a party on July 29th, and then, and then 28 of them test positive uh, within the next week, and that scared the presidents as well, as well as the issue of myocarditis that the Indiana offensive linemen had. So, And the rest of them were on the fence of what to do, and they were still trying to determine which science to listen to, which data to listen to, and there's so many conflicting things right there. So, you know, they had some medical people telling them that just the opposite of what the medical people are telling the ACC, Big 12, and SEC commissioners. And now, I'm sure you noticed in the last 48 hours, the heart specialist at the University of Michigan has come out and said the Big Ten used flawed data and they weren't paying attention to the correct data. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to believe any of this. Uh, you know, the inconsistencies are just glaring, and, they, and it just doesn't get any better by the day. They, you know, they just don't improve their situation with any transparency at all. Uh, amen. All right, so it seems clear that the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, 
did not want to play this fall. And no certainly that, that he helped to lead uh, the Big Ten chancellors and presidents to that determination that they shouldn't play for the fall. Why does he not want to play when, in particular, his own son, who theoretically he's going to care about more than anything, certainly in the world of athletics, is going to be playing at Mississippi State? So if it's so dangerous in his mind that no athletes in the Big Ten can play for the entire fall, he can't even persuade his own son to follow that recommendation. Why do you think he was so uh, so convinced that the idea of playing college football this fall was a non-starter? Well, that's the million-dollar question, but I haven't seen him in front of a microphone yet. I mean, have you? No. He's just... He's avoiding the media back in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, now the people that cover the Big Ten are going to realize what they have to deal with with this guy as far as a lack of transparency. There's going to be future issues if they keep him employed that they're, they're going to have to deal with him on. And it's obvious that he's not a media-friendly guy, not a PR guy. Uh, he's operating in darkness. But who knows what his motivation was? I mean, people have speculated politics are involved. When you reflect back on that voter registration drive, he's been very, very outspoken about the George Floyd issue and registering to vote. And I don't want to get into politics, but, I mean, that's just a fact. He's been very outspoken. I think he gave an interview Sunday to Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports about this very issue, and he talked to him at length about it. And, you know, he's an athletic conference commissioner of one of the biggest conferences in this country. And rather than talk about the issue of conference athletics and the individual schools and their decisions, he's gone off track a little bit here, in my opinion, and talking about these things that have no relevance to whether they play college football or not this fall. So we don't know his motivations, but he's opposed to playing, even though his own son is playing. How do you think that plays for your average Big Ten supporter to see the commissioner shutting down a sport in the fall? All sports, by the way, not just college football, but certainly all sports, when his own son is going to be theoretically competing in college football this fall. Well, if you've read any of these boards out there on all these (laughs) hundreds of sites, it's not 99%. It's 100% negative reaction toward this guy he must be tone deaf and i keep seeing a little bit well i I take that back there's one percent of the people say his son's an adult he can do what he wants to do but let's face it if that's the case and, and and this man stands for principle and what is right and wrong and he keeps continues to cite player safety and covid numbers you know is the big 10 and in the midwest and these states up here less safe than the state of Mississippi, it's Starkville, Mississippi right now, and, you know, on the practice field, engaging in contact with his teammates and then going forward and playing a football game. If he really believes that, would he expose his son to the dangers of it? I mean, it's like I said, it's hard to make this up. I mean, the inconsistencies are just huge, and fans notice this. You you don't think Big Ten players are going to notice this kid practicing and playing? I mean, he's been there. He's still practicing, to my knowledge, last two days. He's going to play. Big Ten players are just shaking their heads at this. It's, it's unbelievable. They're asking the questions. I give Justin Fields credit for what he's done. I mean, don't fade into the background and let your future and your present be determined by a guy that worked for the Minnesota Vikings up to five months ago, never set foot in the Big Ten before. I mean, they did everything. That's what's sad. They did everything right. And I, I point to Ohio State because I know that 
program and what the players went through for the last eight months to quarantine and to prepare and to do all the safe things they needed to do, just like at other schools, several other schools of Big Ten that take football seriously, unlike the two I mentioned earlier, uh, they did everything right. And then they had it swiped away from them. And now they, they want to put them out into the general campus or send them back to their hometowns where they're more exposed than they were before. So it's just hypoc- It's just so hypocritical of what's going on right now. We're talking to Jeff Snook, uh, and, and, and I want to hit on some of this hypocrisy in addition to the commissioner's own son playing. This newest idea that has taken root, that it is somehow going to be safe to play in January, leaving aside that it's going to be a JV squad because the best players won't play. I, I just want you to explain like, what in the world people could be thinking here. It's not safe to play in late September, September 26th or October 3rd or any time in November or December, outdoors college football. But suddenly it's going to be safe to play indoors college football in January? I mean, this is pure lunacy, right? It is. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's Number one, it's not going to happen. So anybody that they, they're towing the company line telling you that's going to happen, they'll be the laughing stock if they follow through and begin football in January and turn around and do it again in the fall. I mean, have you ever stood on the sidelines of a college football game, Clay? Yes, you know what it's like, right? I mean, the physicality of the game is entirely underrated for everybody who's never... I, I did a book about the University of Tennessee, and I got to watch a ton of the games from the sideline and see right. the, the, you know, the hits, the speed, all of it up close and personal. And then I've gotten, fortunately, to be a media member and be down on the field for a lot of big right. games over the years. So yes, I'm fortunate to do that, but the average person has not. Yeah, well, I thought so. It just TV never does it justice. And, you know, I covered the NFL for brief periods in the 80s, and I always compared it to this. Just imagine 22 Volkswagens starting their engine and colliding every single play. Yeah. And you have 170 to 200 plays a game. Now in college football, you have more because of the, the, the uh, you know, the spread no offenses offense. and everything. Yeah. But in college football, might be a degree lesser because of the size and speed. It is. It's as intense and as violent, and the noise. And, and I wish the average fan who watches it on TV could be down there for one game because they would be shocked. But to do that, and I don't know if they're going to cut the schedule. They have no plans, first of all. But if they cut the schedule to eight or nine games instead of ten or eleven in the spring, and then try to come back, what are you going to do? Water down the fall season. So what you're doing is you're bastardizing two seasons into one instead of having to just can it until next August and start fresh with a full season. You're going to have all these kids opting out. Justin Fields is not going to play this spring. Neither is Sean Wade, their cornerback. And that goes for every Big Ten school that's got a kid that might be taken in the top three rounds. They'd be crazy to play January, February, or March, or whenever they're talking about, and then turn around and try to prepare for the combine or NFL draft that would, that follows that. I mean, this is not going to happen. And if it does, it's terribly unfair to every underclassman. Uh, and they talk and they talk about player safety and player health. And then in the same breath, they want to do this. I, I, it's just comical. It's it's really disgraceful, comical. You can add any adjective you want to add. Uh, we're talking to Jeff Snook, and I'm fired up about this conversation. It's going well. Can you hang with us for a little bit more segment? I want to get an update from my uh, my anchor here. Sure, Clay. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I've been grinding all day and all night. Hall of Fame on my mind. 
Here's a classic clip from OutKick. All right, we got Adam in Indianapolis. Adam, what you got? Hey, can I offer some constructive criticism for the call-in portion of your show? Yeah, no. That was from the OutKick Hall of Fame. Jeff Snook is with us. He is a, uh, a writer. And in fact, I actually want to ask a question about, uh, the, I'm a huge history buff, so he's writing a book on World War II. But in addition to that, he has covered college, NFL during his career, now is a full-time writer. And Jeff, you, uh, you've been writing a lot of uh, interesting things about this Big Ten mess. And as we went to break, I teased uh, that I wanted to ask you specifically about what Ohio State tried to make happen. Based on your conversations, how angry are the people associated with Ohio State Athletics with the decisions made by the Big Ten? Well, as angry as you can imagine any conference school would be, even more so. I mean, if you put this into perspective, no group of players across the 14 schools were more disappointed, angry, and bitter than Ohio State's locker room was. No head coach was more... Uh, just completely depressed and bitter than Ryan Day was, and with good reason. They had a team returning that would have been the favorite to win the national title along with Clemson. They had their quarterback back. They have so many draft eligible players from next, you know, they're going to go into the draft next year back. And not only that, it's the way they worked from the day they left that. Uh, Fiesta Bowl loss to Clemson uh, motivated. If you pay attention to the national champions in the last 30 years, many, many of them were coming off a heartbreaking loss with a lot of players returning uh, and motivated. You know, you don't see a lot of teams repeat uh, Alabama aside in recent years because of the motivation factor. And they were as motivated as any team. You remember that game, they're up 16 to nothing, kicking a bunch of field goals. They should have been up about 24 or 27 to nothing. And they got several bad calls in total objectivity. They got several, and I was on the sideline for most of it, terrible calls in that game. And you know, talk about a lack of transparency with the SEC crew that called that game. But anyway, I don't want to digress. But uh, that was a heartbroken program uh, a week ago. It still is. And, you know, the athletic director knows that. I mean, he knew it from day one. He was heartbroken as well, Gene Smith. And just a piece of information here, that decision was handed down on Tuesday. The first thing he did on Wednesday was call Kevin Warren and try to find a path for Ohio State to play somehow or some way and was quickly shot down. Somebody told me that was a very unpleasant conversation. I don't uh, have backup sources to know if it was or wasn't, but Gene Smith uh, wanted to make make it appear like he was a good little soldier and go along with that and released a statement to the media later that day uh, that they would not be pursuing fall football, especially in another conference. Would you see message boards that they might do that? They're, they were never going to do that, in my opinion. Uh, the Big Ten is still a perfect fit for Ohio State, given the geography, the uh, financial implications, the academics. Uh, it's perfect for the Big Ten, and so is Michigan. And I don't see any either one of them ever leaving, no matter what the offers would be somewhere else, no matter how much they've botched this decision. Uh, that's not going to happen. So he went to work, I was told, immediately in putting together uh, a consortium, if you will, of they needed six teams 
to play. They needed six of the powerful teams, and I was told that they had uh, Iowa, Penn State, and Nebraska on board. They, they were trying to flip Wisconsin and Michigan and couldn't get it done for the factors we cited earlier. And uh, it's, from what I understand, it's a dead issue now. And when I reported that Tuesday night, it might have been dead at that point, but it had taken place the previous five to six days. And I'm surmising from what I'm hearing now that either on Monday or Tuesday, it was shot down and hit a brick wall. And yet my report was Tuesday night. So my facts in that were correct that it was, had been taking place but when Gene had plausible di- uh, deniability yesterday when he came out and he texted several media outlets, when they would ask him, is this true? And he would say, no, no, no truth to it. That's probably accurate today, and it's probably accurate yesterday. There's no truth to it now, but there was. And, the and, and for people made, out there who, who didn't see this, by the way, the idea was that Ohio State, Iowa, <laughs> Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin would play a home-and-home outside of a traditional Big Ten season that everybody would have five opponents, they would play a home-and-home, and and they would that way be able to play ten games during the fall. Right, and just so you know, last night John Bacon, uh, the writer who has Michigan contacts, tweeted just as much that he was hearing the same thing. So he's got sources up there on the Michigan side that were telling the exact same thing about this plan. He had a tweet about midnight. He replied to somebody. He said, my sources are telling me uh, this was uh, uh, something that was being worked on as well. Yeah, but he didn't think it was going to come to fruition, I believe is how he stated it, something something like that. Yeah, and and you think – you sorry to cut you off, but you think the governor of Michigan, who we have invited on this show, and not surprisingly, she hasn't responded for some reason. Obviously, you mentioned earlier the University of Michigan president was opposed to it, but you believe the athletic director and uh, at Michigan, as well as Jim Harbaugh, certainly would be in favor of playing, but that that is the obstacle. The the university president, in conjunction with uh, the governor of the state. Well, I think they're both in lockstep, so I think the athletic director, Ward Manuel, and the the, uh, governor totally agree on it. So I'm not saying she was the roadblock per se. If the president president already had that belief, he doesn't need to refer to the governor. Uh, I just think her feelings on she does not want high school or college football played in that state this fall, yet the Lions are going to play. Uh, because you know the NFL, you can't. I think it's a little bit out of her jurisdiction, as popular as she is right now. Yeah. So, uh, but I just believe that president, being a doctor and scientist, and I've read his quotes of what he said. Uh, you know, they're they're in total agreement. So it might not even got to her office. I mean, it just didn't help that she had that stance. Yeah. If she if she would have been a Republican and a proponent of playing football, then they would have had an issue, and that's what we have in Ohio. You know, Ohio is a Republican governor, and 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 again, I'm not getting into politics, but he tweeted and he approved high school football and all four all fall sports just two days ago. So you know, if you think about this, in the state of Ohio, you got the president of the United States, the governor of Ohio, the athletic director. The head football coach, the fan base, the parents, and all the players want to play, but yet they're not playing because it's the, crazy. Guy they hired, the guy they hired from Minnesota Vikings five months ago says they can't. So, and his kid happens to be playing at Mississippi State. So when you put that set of facts together, you tell me how that makes sense.
Oh, I think that, and and not only that, Cincinnati Bearcats are playing right now in the state of Ohio. Exactly. In addition, obviously, to the Browns and the uh, and the Bengals and all the high school teams that are playing. So that brings me to the the final question that I want to ask you. And you've been fantastic, by the way, uh, Jeff Snook. Go uh, check out his books. Um, this this scenario in general. Let's say that the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve play, and they finish the season. Does Kevin Warren lose his job? Should he lose his job? How in the world could he keep it? Can you imagine the fallout of that? And I'm talking alumni, fan, donors. I hear right now that seven- and eight-figure donors at the University of Michigan are threatening to withhold their money uh, over this issue. And, uh, you know, the donors in college football basically have a lot of power. So do the board of trustees of all these universities. The presidents are the figureheads. And they work for these people. So can you imagine the fallout, the media fallout, the public fallout, if the ACC, Big 12, and SEC, and I'm rooting for them to do it. I hope they pull it off just for the simple fact you got 85 scholarship kids at all those programs that are trying to do this. And, and, you know, I hate to see it yanked away from one kid, let alone the numbers we're talking about. I hope they succeed and do it just to further illustrate how backwards this conference is in their thinking process. And uh, so, you know, it, there's no way he'd keep his job. Let's see if he keeps his job as it is. You know, th- what's sad is these Big Ten people up here, including him right now, and all the presidents that led groups, I'm sure, they're sitting up here rooting, just rooting for cases and hoping and praying for cases. And it sounds terrible to say it's callous. They don't want anybody to die. Let's put it that way. But if there's an outbreak on one of these college football campuses, they're not exactly frowning. You know, they, they, they don't want to be on an island that this didn't work. And let's not even count the Pac-12 because they have their own issues that don't relate to COVID. But they don't want these other three conferences to succeed, and that's sad that they're going to be sitting up here rooting because they want to be the front runner. They want to look like the geniuses that canceled ahead of everybody else, expecting the other four conferences to follow them. And it didn't happen. So now they're on an island not knowing what to do. If they restart and they would have to shut down by more positive tests, <laughs> excuse me, then they would look terrible too. But, the, but that's not their greatest fear. Their greatest fear is to have these other three conferences succeed and play a season. They're petrified that's going to happen. Jeff, this has been phenomenal. I want to bring you back to talk about this book that you're going to be writing soon and more and continue to unpack everything uh, about this story in general. So can you hang with us for one more segment? I'm sure you can. Thanks for being with us. So uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, I am Clay Travis. This is OutKick. When we come back, we'll ask Jeff about the newest book that he's writing. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trips of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their yokohama test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we're joined now by a guy that is uh, turned into a warrior of sorts, and I bet he never would have anticipated that would happen. He is Donald Trump Jr., the son of the President of the United States. And if we had gone back in time, uh, first of all, thanks for coming on and getting up with us. My but pleasure. if we had gone back in time, uh, the Donald Trump Jr., and we had said, hey, your dad is going to be the President of the United States, and you will be an active combatant on a day-to-day basis on Twitter – would you have ever believed that was going to be the case? Like, if you were setting odds on that a decade ago, what were the chances that you would have thought this would happen? 
Uh, you know, I'd have probably said pretty slim, uh, but it, you know, it's one of those things as you've watched sort of the evolution of our political system and the things that are going on. Man, I'm grateful that he did it, that he stepped up, that he decided to say, uh, "Hey, uh, I've been throwing some stones from the sidelines for quite some time. Now we actually got to get in the game ourselves." And you can see the results because honestly, if where we were in 2016 and prior uh, was brought to us by those who are so experienced and know so much, we could use a lot less experience. Let me ask you this. So the night of the election, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you've told this story before, but I just can't even imagine what it's like to be there as the election results start to come in and you realize, hey, we're going to win Florida. We're going to win Ohio. Looks like we may win Pennsylvania, Michigan. And all of a sudden, that is all kind of coalescing. Did you expect to win that night? Like when you uh, entered into election day, you woke up on election day morning what did you anticipate and what did it feel like as that day progressed? Kind of take me into that experience. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, we just didn't, we weren't going to leave anything uh, on the field. And so, I mean, we, I got in from, uh, I guess it was New Hampshire at about uh, two or three in the morning. And I was, my, my first TV and hits were at uh, 6 a.m. Uh, yeah. I then did that all morning. And then I, I started getting on radio. And then in, in the afternoon, we were just basically looking at data throughout the day and seeing where it is. So I was literally just cold calling into radio stations. I think I did 47 radio interviews. Oh, my God. Uh, between like you know, four and close of voting. So I sort of worked East Coast to West Coast with the time difference because basically it was 7, 7.30 kind of uh, you know, cut off. So I was like, okay, we're underperforming a little bit here. Like, you know, I'm screaming, like, get me on Sean Handy. I'm calling these guys that I know. Some of them, you know, on their personal cell phones, they're like, well, we're going off the air. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> Stay on the damn air. Just get me on. We got to get people out. Like, uh, it, it was sort of amazing. But yeah, it's like 47 or 48 in like a seven hour just straight you know, window that afternoon. So, you know, it wasn't like, okay, it's election day. I'll go cast a ballot, and like we're done. Like we weren't done until we were done. Um, and so I did that till basically you know sort of ten o'clock uh, East Coast, which was you know seven o'clock West Coast when everything was pretty much shut down. Then I went to go watch with the family, and uh, you know it was interesting, Clay. Like I, I didn't have like the normal reaction to like uh, you know winning. I, I think when you'd been in the sort of the political process, you know business was just so different. The political side was so vicious, so crazy. So you sort of feel like a caged animal for two years of just getting crapped on. There's nothing you can do that's right. There's nothing, you know. And so the emotional frequency, the up-down is like every five minutes. It's, it's nuts. And so when it was pretty apparent, you know, that we had won, at least on paper, like I actually got no joy out of it because I'm like, no, no, no. They're, they're going to play some sort of game. They're going to do all the crap, and it turns out I was right. They're going to do all the crap that they claimed, you know, that we were going to do when we were inevitably going to lose. Um, you know, and so when John Podesta got on the stage and said, you know, we're going to we'll talk about this tomorrow. Let's see. I was like, there it is. Like I knew it. These bastards, that's the game they're going to play. Uh, you know, they're going to contest it. They're going to do you know, it turns out they end up contesting it just in a different way uh, for the last 4 years. But you know, I, it was sort of funny. I was happier that I sort of nailed it that I'd figure it out the game uh, as opposed to actually winning, which is pretty sad. What's wild is, and I don't know if there's been a ton of talk about it, but I'm sure you've started to think about it a little bit at least in your mind. The way that we're setting up for November 3rd is most people tune in the night of the election and they expect, even if it's late, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. on the East Coast, whatever it might be, that we've got a definite winner by the time that election night is over. The odds of that happening this year, it seems to me, you may disagree, are actually pretty low. 
I think we're going to have to steel ourselves for potentially weeks of uncertainty, a little bit reminiscent maybe of what happened in 2000 for my listeners who are old enough to remember the Bush v. Gore battle. In your mind, are you kind of stealing up for that as well in that you're not necessarily going to get a verdict on election night, even though that's kind of the way in our minds we anticipate that we will? Yeah, you know, my understanding is that the other side, you know, they're, they're basically just staffing up lawyers to try to, I mean, that's that's where their focus is. I don't think they can win on the merits, but they can win by try, sort of playing games later on, in my opinion. And so, you know, I, I imagine they will do whatever they can. You see sort of the push for the mail-in ballots. Like, you know, any system that's been proven uh, to be ripe with fraud, the Democrats are all for if they think it can break in their favor. Uh, you know, they're on the record saying those kind of things. So you can see the gamesmanship already being played. You know, I don't think they can meet or match our ground game that we've been setting up for a while there's not much enthusiasm for biden so you know well if they can't win there let's just try to figure out how to do it in the legal battle and we can staff up there i'm expecting that there will be a hundred million people plus watching these debates in other words i think it's going to be super bowl like in terms of the audience because as you just mentioned there's been so much pent up you know inability to go out and campaign joe biden hasn't been able to go out on the road which probably for his side they're happy about your dad there's never been a candidate in the history Who's, who him and his team in the history of politics who are thrilled uh, that they have an excuse to stay in their basement, who are thrilled that the American people don't get a chance to see him up close and personal because it never seems to work out when he opens his mouth. So the flip side, your dad and, uh, and the Trump campaign would certainly much prefer to be out a lot more active than you've been able to yeah. be over the past several months. So all of that sets the table for what I believe will be seismic viewership of the debates. Where will you watch them? Will you be present there physically? Have you even talked about it? And what do you expect to see? Well, yeah, if I can be there physically, I'm obviously going to be there physically. And I mean, they were sort of amazing just to be there, uh, you know, the last time around, you know, when he's delivering, you know, the low energy stuff and or, you know, because you'd be in jail. I mean, my dad's just good at that. And, you know, and Joe Biden won't be. Now, the reality is this with the mainstream media the way it is, you know, if Joe Biden shows up, if he collapses in the middle of the debate, the media will say, he did an amazing job. It's incredible what Joe Biden was able to accomplish tonight. He really, you know, put it to Trump. I mean, so if he manages to, you know, just keep it even remotely together, uh, it will be impressive. I've heard because you know I live in New York City. I travel in some interesting circles, and a lot of people I know sort of go go in between sort of the circles politically. I mean, there's an I've been told there's an active push to basically make sure that Joe Biden does not show up for the debates because you know At all. They, they know he's up for it. I mean, you heard the quote I guess it was the other day that they said attributed to Obama, like basically. We don't ever underestimate Joe's ability to just screw something up, uh, you know, drastically. Uh, it, it's one of those things. So, you know, I, I imagine they're going to do whatever they possibly can to hide Joe Biden. You see it. I mean, they pull him when he's doing a TV interview. You know, the second question, it's like, it's not like, you know, they're 25 minutes into the thing. Second question, uh, no, we got to go, we got to go, because he can't remember the answer. Uh, you saw during the debates, the Democrat debates, uh, all of a sudden Joe Biden... Well, you know, I don't want to take up any more time, so I'll, I'll, I'll give back my time. I mean, that has literally never been done. I mean, I've never seen a candidate who's never gone over his time. But you saw he'd ramble for 45 seconds, realize he wasn't even remotely answering the question, forget where he was going all in all. And then it was like, oh, no, no, I just, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I just want to give everyone else a chance to answer, too. It's like, uh, so I, I hope they happen. Uh, I hope he doesn't try to, you know, welch out of them, though I imagine he will. Uh, and I've heard there's a big push to do that. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the reality is this. If he does that, I mean, 
you know, if you can't take on the guy whose job you want to take, like, how are you going to do against Putin or Xi or, you know, any other dictator around the world? How are you going to do against Iran? Um, it's sort of scary. But again, he, he can get the best of both worlds because of the nature of the media and the way that they'll play that. We're talking to Donald Trump Jr. I tell my, and I'm sure this is something that you've told your kids as well. I tell my kids, judge me by what you see me do as a dad on a day-to-day basis. They're young, 12, 9, and 5. And uh, and I'm sure that when you become a public figure, that's a conversation you have to have with your own, your own kids. I bet it's one that your dad had with you. What do you think people would be surprised to know about your dad having grown up as his son that maybe doesn't come through on the public persona? You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, on it, I think you see his his personality, sort of his sense of humor is pr- pretty amazing. Like, I, I mean, think he has a really uh, good sense of humor, but it doesn't seem like it really comes through in the same way. Like, I've heard that from a lot of people, and I thought on our interview last week, he was really pretty funny, and I don't think that it comes through in the same way, right? So you would say, like, your dad privately, pretty good sense of humor. Oh yeah, no, it's wild that way. But he also has, you know, I think the the, the major thing that you know probably, he, he, and it's you know his decision to sort of not show it out there. But it, he actually has a lot more empathy uh, than, than what he likes to portray. I think you know he was brought up by like an old school sort of Germanic guy, you know, lived the American dream, but like never finished high school. Started working yes. when his grand, you know, his father passed away. A physically a kid, so. tough upbringing. Just a tough, you know, just he didn't understand anything other than work. It was very sort of a, just a primal being that way, right? So, you know, I, I think my father looks at sort of the empathy side. Like, if I'm going to show that and I'm on a world stage and I'm, you know, uh, it, he doesn't like showing it because I think he looks at it as though others people perceive it as weakness and it hurts him from being able to negotiate a trade deal with China, for example, or, or whatever it may be. So, you know, it's interesting. He has that. As we you know, went through, you know, COVID, you know, I, I, you know, if I spoke to him, I get a call back. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God, like, what's going like, this is the White House operator, or your father, and he's still in the Oval Office. You know what I mean? He, he's doing those things and fighting for those guys. I spoke to a friend uh, whose father was older with pre existing conditions, passed away from COVID. Um, and I was like, he didn't actually know my father, but my father and the guy that passed away were, were, were pretty close. And so this is his son. And he goes, you know, your dad called me every day for three weeks. I was like, really? He called you every day for three weeks? He like, this guy was in tears that you know, the president of the United States would take, even if it was a couple minutes, just to check in each and every day uh, you know, of this thing. So you know, there's that side of him where it exists, but he, he does not like to show it to the American people or to anyone, and he never has. It's, sort of, you know, it's one of those uh, traits that's it's very prevalent, but the way he looks at it, uh, I wish it would manifest itself more uh, in real life. I think it'd actually help himself out. We're talking to Donald Trump Jr. Obviously, we have a big audience that is excited for sports to come back. And I've been probably the foremost person in all of sports media out there arguing that sports yeah. are important to come back for a sense of normalcy. Growing up with your dad and growing up uh, around sports, as I know you guys did, what does sports mean to your family, and what do you think it means to have sports back in this country uh, to be able to just watch them, put on your television, kick your feet up, and have a beer? You know, it, it really is such a you're just just a big part of America, and you're right. I think that that's the notion, and I, you know, I can't tell you know if, if some of this stuff's politically motivated because sort of not going back to normalcy allows you to instill some fear that can you know be used as political leverage. Uh, so it's pretty sad what's going on. I mean, you even see a lot of these college athletes. I mean, they don't. It's not like they have a a twenty year window to make a career. I mean, they got a small window. You're gonna say, ah, you're gonna say, now I get it. Chances are, if you're a collegiate athlete, you probably don't have too many pre existing conditions. You could do these things. You can do everything. 
I mean, you can take the utmost caution, but you know, let them play, man. Let you know, let them get out there and, and do what they do. Let them go. Let them do what they've been training their entire lives to do. Uh, you know, and don't squander a year um, a, again for a demographic that is, I, I I would imagine, basically as little susceptible as anyone could possibly be. I mean, these are athletes in the peak of their you know peak physical condition. They're probably fine. Uh, we're talking with uh, Donald Trump Jr. And it's a couple of things. I, I don't know if you saw the data coming out of Florida, but the data coming out of Florida basically reflects that their outbreak, as it were, is rapidly declining. The data that's been shared by Governor Ron DeSantis. Why do you mm-hmm. think the media has ripped the governors of Florida, of Texas, of Arizona? I bet you got a good answer. But also your dad, while they have lionized Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, you said you're in New York, you spent a lot of time there. New York and New Jersey have twice the death rate of the coronavirus of any country in the world. Florida, Texas, and Arizona have had a pinprick of it, right? Yeah, and ten and ten times the total deaths. I mean, it's sort of funny. I put up a meme because it's sort of sports related. You know, it was like, you know, Andrew Cuomo getting up on the podium for being fifty out of fifty, and like, you know, he's cheering and they're shaking, and you know, it shows him on the podium at fifty out of fifty, and it's like because the literally he's done the worst has. job Andrew Cuomo done, has the way, with the coronavirus in the country. I mean, he killed probably more New Yorkers with just the decision to put the elderly back in nursing homes. The only thing, the only thing that everyone knew about corona from the outbreak was that basically if you're old and have pre-existing conditions, you're more susceptible. Like, this could actually be pretty dangerous to you, right? And he signs an executive order to send them all back into nursing homes, even if they're sick. Like, that was like 6,000 deaths, I believe. That's more than Florida together, and that's just that one incident. I, you know, New York's over, what, 40,000, 45,000 total? Uh, versus Florida at like five, uh, I, I don't understand, but that's the problem. Today's mainstream media, and you've seen this yourself, I'm sure, I mean, they have just abdicated their position as journalists to be activists. So, you know, rather than boast those who, you know, and boost those who have done a good job, hey, we'll boost Andrew Cuomo because, you know, he'll do a press conference during the day where he'll knock Trump, and that's good for us because we hate Trump. And, I mean, it's, it's really insane. It's the same reaction like you have to hydroxychloroquine where, you know, now there's a Yale study, and there's numerous doctors, and there's a Henry Ford Clinic study that says, hey, this could save lives. You get it to people early, it's going to say it could save lives. By the way, it's a drug that's been approved by the FDA for 50 years, so it's not like it has bad effects. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gone through that process when it did. But the media, because Trump was hopeful that it could maybe work, it could maybe work prophylactically, it could save some lives. This is dangerous. You can't do it. You can't go on it. There's no way. It's a disaster. I mean, how much blood is on their hands for basically taking someone who has since passed that could have gotten on this and whose life would have been saved? Again, just using the statistics from the Yale study where, you know, or the Henry Ford Clinic study where, like, literally 50% of the people that got on it we're safe. Like it's it's mind-boggling. Uh, but you know, again, we live in a world where the media isn't journalists anymore. They're not journalists. They're activists. And and you've seen that. You saw that for four years during the Trump administration, where literally there was not a single, not one, economic metric where we weren't better off than under the Biden Obama administration before it. And yet you still had 96 percent negative coverage of Donald Trump. I mean, that's pre-COVID. Um, you know, TDS is real. Uh, the Trump derangement syndrome is strong with these people. Final question for you, and I appreciate the time. We're talking to uh, Donald Trump Jr. Um, When you look ahead to the fall, I know you're going to be speaking at the Republican uh, convention, uh, as it were. What is your role? What do you anticipate doing throughout the fall as Election Day gets closer and closer? 
Well, you know, I, I do what I do best. Uh, you know, I, I, I may not have a deep toolbox, but when you need a sledgehammer, it's a pretty handy tool. So that's sort of my thing. <laughs> you know, I, I took the, you know, the quarantine time. Uh, I, I took it to actually write a book because, like, you know, business, you couldn't go into business. You couldn't do anything. I was, I was locked away in my cabin, uh, and I, I wanted to look into, you know, Joe Biden. And, I mean, there's a 50-year career. I mean, this guy's been in Washington, D.C. for 50 years. You have the family graph, the son, the brother, the this. Uh, you have the bad decisions as it relates to China, which seems much more relevant now than even before, but the trade decisions. You have Robert Gates, Obama's own Secretary of Defense, literally saying that Joe Biden's been on the wrong side of every decision he's ever made in a half-a-century career. I mean, there's some amazing stuff, and the media is running him like he's this moderate on the outside. I mean, it's insane. So I, I actually took the quarantine time. I had like four months. I, I hired a researcher. I, I actually am self-publishing it because I was like, I wasn't sure I'd actually have time to finish it because I didn't know when these things were going to release. But I thought the American people have to see the other side, the story that isn't being told by the mainstream media who will you know, get, give Biden literally billions in free cover-up uh, and boosting over the next you know, 80-something days. And so I wrote a book. It's called Liberal Privilege, because we get to hear a lot about privilege these days. The one thing they don't talk about is liberal privilege, where you can basically say, do whatever you want. You can flip-flop however many times you want. Your son can take a billion five from China. It's not a problem. Um, these kind of things. And you know, I just wanted to put it out in there. So I just I did that. I you know, put it up on my website. It's donjr.com for those who want to pre-order. It'll be in, uh, you know, in stores in a few weeks. But uh, for those who want to pre-order, donjr.com, you can check it out there. And really, anyone who's in an independent, even more so, should see this because they're not being told the full story. So my job is to get that full story out there. My job is to force them to talk about uh, the things that they don't want to talk about, about Joe Biden and his literally half-century failed Washington, D.C. swamp creature career. Thank you for the time, Don Jr., and uh, we will talk to you again, perhaps, on the show as well. Uh, thanks for the time, my man. Thanks a lot, Clay. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.